This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Hello, welcome back. Actually, it's back in black, right? There we go. I'm Ken Smith, professor here at the Wharton School. You're listening to Your Money Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. If you want some advice, what to do with your money, want to know how to save it, invest it, buy insurance, get in the will, pay down debts, maybe grandma just left you a million bucks, want to know what to do with it, give me a call. Live on Tuesdays uh, here at 1-844-WHARTON. Just like the school name, W-H-A-R-T-O-N. That's 1-844-942-7866. Welcome back to the show. Paul Winter is the founder of Five Seasons Financial Plan in Salt Lake City, uh, which he established in 2004. Like all other advisors, he is fee on this show. <laughs> Not all other advisors, but just the ones on this show. Um, he's fee only, and he graduated from Columbia University uh, with an MBA in uh, where its majors were money and financial markets as well as finance. Uh, welcome back to the show, Paul. Thanks for having me again, Ken. And again, if you got a question for Paul and myself, again, give us a call here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Go back to the phone lines in just a minute here. Before doing that, Paul, just remind us a little bit about your firm. And if you have a typical client, what's here? What's you like? Uh, well, as you mentioned, fee only. That's taken for granted since I'm yeah. here on your on your show. So uh, fee only pretty much implies also that uh, we serve as fiduciaries for our clients, yeah. which means in a nutshell that, that uh, by law we are required to put client interests above and beyond our own. I'm a sole practitioner, so chief cook and bottle washer here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got uh, clients numbering in the dozen, so about 50 clients totaling about 60-odd million in assets under management, so that should give listeners a, a rough idea of average sure. portfolio size. Um, probably a little more geographically um, dispersed than most sole practitioners because I did spend uh, 12 or 15 years in my early career working on Wall Street. And so I've mm. got a fair number of clients back in the New, New York, New Jersey area. So about a third of my clients are outside of the state of Utah, actually, um, and about two-thirds here in, in Salt Lake, where I've lived since nine, since 99. Yeah. Um, but as far as uh, other characteristics of the client base, you know, they run the gamut from uh, double-income uh, earning young professionals in their 40s all the way up to retirees in their 80s. I really can't say that I have a a niche, um, but there's kind of a bell curve within those ranges. You know, most most clients, I would say, are staring retirement in the face in the next few years, or have just uh, pulled the plug in the last few years. So I would say, sort of baby boomers in their mm, 60, in, in in sort of the age of 60 is is about sort of the the median client. Excellent. So again, speaking with Paul Winter, who's the founder of Five Seasons uh, Financial Planning and sole practitioner in Salt Lake. City says in his bio, he also does a lot of skiing and fly fishing, as well as squash. I'm curious how you do squash in Utah. I think that's great, um, a, a great rounding of uh, a physical activity there. I'm jealous. Uh, let me go to Bill calling from North Carolina. How can I help you, Bill? Hi. Um, my mother is 86 years old, yeah. and um, we have three siblings. And uh, she is 
living basically on my father's social security. Yep. Um, or a percentage of that, which which is coming in. Sure. And um, and then she has a savings account um, that she has invested with a with an an advisor. I think that that's like sixty or eighty thousand dollars. Okay. But she's about to sell um, an investment that she had, she and my father had in a business. Yep. And it's going to be just probably over $200,000. Mm-hmm. And we're wondering, um, first off, tax-wise, how to prepare for that. I don't think she's not in a very high tax bracket and given sure. her age and income. And then, two, how should those uh, funds be brought in and where should she put them? How should she handle those to protect herself and mm-hmm. us as heirs and that type of thing. Yeah. So, so the business uh, that's being sold, do you know how it was uh, organized? Was it a C-Corp, S-Corp? Do you, know, do you know? It was a C-Corp. C-Corp. And do you happen to know what type of equity she has? And this is a very technical question. Uh, but you, if it's something like founder's equity, maybe her uh, her husband, who I'm assuming is deceased at, your, uh, uh, at this point. That's correct. Did an 83, mm-hmm. 83B elections. Do you know if it's a long-term, she's going to get long-term or short-term tax treatment on that? I Well, I don't know. I, I know that the, when you say founders, I know that the, the when they purchased the stock, it was at the beginning of this company. Yeah. So, and it was a very small not labeled closely held company, but a very small company like that. Sure, yeah. So a lot of it's going to come down to when they, when her husband uh, originally bought her his 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 uh, uh, original equity. Um, did he do what's called an eighty three B election? Something that a lot of times people just overlook. Um, which yeah, you, I, you doubt can, that, I doubt that he did. Yeah. Okay. So there's a good chance that that's going to be taxed as regular um, income uh, when the sale takes place, and largely as you know, it's short-term tax treatment, regular income, and a very low cost basis. So most of that is probably subject uh, to tax. And it's just going to be there's not going to be an earnout. It's just going to be a lump sum. She's going to get two hundred grand. Is that is that how it's structured? That's correct. Yes. Okay. All right, so they they so your first, and then their second question was about how it should be invested. Um, is what's the intent? Is it to make sure it pays for a nursing care? Is it more for intergenerational uh, transfer? What do you think is the intent, or is it like if she needs it for nursing care, fine, but if she doesn't, uh, you know, more intergenerational? Yeah, we definitely want it for her if she if she were to need to do something, or um, we're not want it, you know. Yes, she, it's, it's hers to provide sure. for her. So. Yeah, and so then in, 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 in the reason I ask that, it's, sometimes the strategies are a little bit different. Is she living okay on the Social Security right now, or is she dipping into that savings account that she currently has? Um, she is. Yeah, she's doing fine with what she's she's getting at the time. I mean, it's very conservative, and but but she's doing fine, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, uh, so it sounds like she inherited her, her husband's Social Security payment, and uh, but it sounds like that's enough to cover her kind of basic needs. Uh, so the eighty thousand she currently has, and the two hundred thousand would be for things like skilled nurses, some things that come up later on. 
Yes. Okay. So, Paul, your thoughts about, uh, I mean, in terms of taxes, that's that's a little bit harder to avoid, but there may be something creative that you think uh, of, but also in terms of how to invest that money. Yeah, I, I, I mean, without, I assume there must be a, a tax preparer yeah. uh, in the equation at, uh, at some point. So I think um, I would preliminarily at least reach out to the tax preparer and get an idea, even if it's just a rough idea, of what the potential tax liability is going to be on the on the sale of this business. Yeah. Um, the reason I say that is because I think investment time horizon is a big input into the question as to how to invest the proceeds. So, for example, if the proceeds are going to be 200000 but the CPA or the tax preparer foresees that there's going to be a tax bill of $50,000 come next April, I would be uh, extremely reluctant to invest that portion of the proceeds or any other portion of the proceeds that might be needed within a two-year time frame to the volatility of the market. So that, that's kind of my line in the sand, that if a client comes to me and says, I have got this sum to invest, my first question to them is, hey, do you need any of this amount within a two-year time frame. And that, it's really an art rather than a science, but that's sort of my guideline. The, and the reason that's important, that investment time horizon is important, is you don't want to commit money to the volatility of the markets that you know you're going to have to need within six months or 12 months or 18 months, because historically, you know, we do have 10 or 20 percent pullbacks in the stock market you know, every three or four years. And, and the last thing you want to do is have to liquidate investments at fire sale prices to, to meet liabilities like tax bills that you absolutely have to pay at a given point in time. So I think my first question would, would be, yeah. you know, of this $200,000 in proceeds, is there an amount that you, you know, that's tax preparer foresees needing for a tax bill? Is there an amount that um, the client or the client's son foresees being needed for health care or, or nursing home care or something like that. And I would certainly set aside that amount into a savings account or a CD or something that was yeah. principal protected. And then the rest can be committed to the markets in, in, a, in a diversified portfolio in accordance with the risk tolerance of, of, of the mother. Yeah. So, Bill, you know, and thanks, Paul. That's it's great. What I would do is I would really keep this fairly simple in the sense that this money, if in fact a large her wishes were to intergenerational transfer, then you could potentially get creative. For example, she doesn't actually take the sale of the stock yet. She just is she what she does is um, instead of getting this uh, a, a payout. It gets essentially um, held as stock in the new practice, and then if she passes away, that becomes part of her estate, and then you inherit, um, or your kids, your siblings inherit um, that stock, and you get free basis step up at death. It wipes out the tax bill, um, and given that she's 86 years old, I would actually sit down and have that conversation with her and really figure out what she needs to do with that money, um, or what she really wants to do with the money. And if she says, I really want to make sure this goes to you kids, um, there's a good chance, first of all, that almost all the 200000 is going to be taxed, minus a very small amount for the purchase of the restricted stock, which is uh, usually at par price, very low. Um, unlike your father did 83B election. So that's going to be you know regular income. She's not in a big income tax bracket, but nonetheless, you could wipe it out 
with the basis step up uh, with a little creativity. And then, you know, in that scenario, if she does need skilled nursing, then unfortunately in that case, she goes into Medicaid uh, to pay for skilled uh, nursing after she wipes out that $80,000 in her savings. Uh, her house won't count for the Medicaid test, um, but the $80,000 uh, will. Uh, but if you don't want to go that route, uh, but I'd still have that conversation with her, but if you don't want to go that route and you want to sell, what I'll do is I'll just keep it simple. There's a good ch chance at 86, she could need that money in just the next few years. Personally, what I would do with that is just put an online bank account, <laughs> just something very low, uh, get a little bit higher interest rate, one and two, you know, one point two percent, something like that. With that two hundred thousand dollars, as Paul points out, you're going to have to pay a tax bill, could be around fifty k, just rounding here, and then uh, uh, you definitely want to have the money for that. But the rest of the money, I would just keep it super simple. If the goal is to make sure that she can. Uh, get some type of skilled nursing in a quality way um, and not have to use the Medicaid system, I would. Uh, there's, I don't think there's a lot of advantage of uh, doing anything else creative with that because she could need that really any time um, if that's the main objective. Is that helpful, Bill? It is. It is. Uh, is there any thought about, like, gifting? Would that protect it at all? No, is, it wasn't. No, it wouldn't. Uh, in, in particular, she gifts that um, stock. I mean, <laughs> assuming there was no laws are broken, that gift would actually be at the two hundred thousand. Um, so, in other words, she can't gift at the original par price of that stock because otherwise people would be doing that all the time. It has to be at the fair market value is what would be sus, and then the gift rule would, would kick in um, because that's way more than the uh, allowable amount that she can give to each uh, of the kids, uh, 14000 bucks a year. So what would happen, she could use some other types of um, lifetime uh, you know, uh, uh, estate planning and so forth, but the real, uh, uh, the real uh, option here would be is that something creative and happen to sell so that the, the stock is not realized. Um, there's no realization of the stock. That's what's actually going to happen and why you're getting taxed here is that there's a realization of the stock sale. Um, if without 83B election, it means that it's going to be short-term tax treatment just like regular income. But if you can postpone the realization of the stock sale um, and then uh, the kids inherit that stock, then that's where the basis step up comes in. But again, if and then again, Medicaid becomes the backup option. I'd really be checking what the Medicaid facilities look like in your your area. That may not be a very good backup option. So in that case, you know, I would say if you get the cash, um, or the, the 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 buyers just don't want to go along with this. They they just don't agree to this. They want to have a clean um, a, a cap sheet. They don't want to have any type of complication. Uh, then in that case, you know, cap table. Then in that case, uh, you know, I would just hold it in an online bank account. I mean, I I, I wouldn't even put it into a bond fund because she's 86. Who knows? She may need this money in a matter of just a few months from now. It could, it could, you just don't know. And just foregoing a little interest, I mean, uh, beyond a 1.2%, it's just not worth it, in, in my opinion. So thanks so much for calling, Bill. Really appreciate it. Um, and again, uh, speaking with Paul Winter, founder of Five Seasons Financial Plan in Salt Lake City, doing a great job answering your question here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And let me go to Alex calling from North Carolina. How can we help you, Alex? Hey there. Um, kind of have a similar question, actually, to the one y'all were just talking about. Yeah. Um, my mother passed away recently, mm. and 
Uh, my parents didn't really have a lot of savings, haven't really ever been good at that, but they, she did have a small, you know, um, life insurance policy sure. for my, for my, my stepdad. It's about 250 K. So nothing, nothing fancy, just a small basic life insurance policy that he's going to be able to get. Yeah. And, um, since they have no savings, I've been trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, and, and he's about 70. Um, he's already drawing social security, um, makes an okay income, but I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that's probably not going to be super into the long-term future, maybe just a couple more years. Okay. And he doesn't really have any savings in his 401k just to kind of paint the picture. Wow. Okay. And so I've been, I've been wrestling with, you know, do we need to think about an annuity because, um, you know, it, it's such a small amount. Do you want to risk it in the market? Um, or if I did invest it, you know, to me, it would need to be pretty conservative because the last thing I'd want to do is yeah. have that, you know, get taken away. But by the time you look at the basis points and like the going rate for, you know, managing it, you know, if you make even just a 5% return, it's eaten up with, you know, the fees and inflation and, and taxes yeah. and stuff. And so I yeah. just wanted to see maybe what y'all would advise on that. Yeah. And do keep in mind, it's a really important distinction. Economists really try to emphasize this a lot. It's not about really time horizon and that allows you to take on more risk. Economists really don't believe that time offers diversification. Paul Samuelson and um, uh, Bob Merton and others, uh, all Nobel Prize winners in both uh, in, in economics, it kind of shown that, that was, that's not uh, true. What it really is is younger people who have lots of human capital ahead of them. Um, that's a bond-like asset, and that's the reason why they can take on more risk with their liquid assets is because it's essentially trying to – they have too much bonds. They'd like to take on more stocks. They really can't borrow against their future income, but so the little money they have, that's why they take on more stocks. So in your mother's case, you know, she's uh, – or your stepdad's case, age 70, it sounds like his human capital is pretty dwindling. Um, it sounds like he's already claiming Social Security, which I, I assume, therefore, he claimed well before. Before age seventy, is that right? He did. So he took yeah. kind of like the penalty cut. Um, yeah. They've, they've since reimbursed a little bit back. I guess they've maybe withheld it or something. No, it's, it's about maybe twenty three hundred a month. Yeah. Yeah. So and so it's he's getting twenty three hundred a month. Yeah. What happened is uh, since he's working, a lot of people don't realize this that the earnings tax and even well-meaning advisors make this mistake. The earnings tax that he gets uh, hit on um, with the little income that he's making that you mentioned. Um, but a lot of people don't realize is that that actually they say, well, that's a big earnings tax. So you lose that money if you're working and claiming Social Security. They don't really realize that what happens is that you get that earning tax back later on. They do a benefit recalculation uh, for those Social Security uh, later on to give you kind of essentially that money back. So that's what happened in that case. Um, they're yeah. not going to it's it's not going to be from uh, the, uh, you know anything about claiming early and so you said he basically has it gets 2300 bucks a month uh that's nice that's inflation just do you know what his expenses are yeah month? So in, like luckily um with kind of where they were at a lot of uh the debt stuff was pretty much her name and in north carolina it's like not the joint property state so yeah. i think he's probably immune from a lot of that um it sounds like um i think his basic expenses probably looking at maybe 900 to a thousand bucks for like uh for rent somewhere yeah. Um, and then some small utilities. So I'm, you know, he probably brings in maybe like six thousand right now in terms of his job and six thousand a year or a month. Oh, sorry, a month. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's so, uh, and that's going to last for how long? 
I, I'm going to wager maybe, you know, just another handful of years, probably like five or so. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, he's, he's a lively guy, but, I mean, I don't know if it's going to, you yeah. know, he'll be able to work for like another 10, 15, obviously. Yeah. And so I, I think by the time I look at the Social Security, could probably keep the expenses to like, I mean, maybe 13, 14. doesn't have a car payment or anything. So yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Okay. So it sounds like he could live on that Social Security uh, benefit kind of worst case scenario. So this this money, uh, it, it sounds like from this uh, payout, he could maybe use it for out of pocket medical that's not being covered by Medicare. Do you know what type of Medicare plan he's on? Does he have a Medigap policy right now? Does he have Medicare Advantage? Do you know? That, so that's a good question. I know that he does have his insurance um, through work. So I'm assuming what is that like Medicare wow. Advantage or? Well, uh, well, it depends. Uh, but are, do you know when he retires, will work? Uh, continue to pay for uh, health care uh, retirement? Or does that... No, they will not. Okay, will not. all right. Because some of the older people, their power unions and other, there used to be retiree health plans beyond just pension plans. Um, okay, so I understand that. And so, uh, yeah, so he's actually getting um, some uh, health care uh, in complement of Medicare through his work. But uh, after that point, it's it's either, uh, you know, some out-of-pocket expenses potentially for... Uh, healthcare is that is, is that what you think is the primary goal for that money is the kind of healthcare uh, or it, given that it looks like Social Security can cover its monthly expenses what's your primary goal is that healthcare stuff? Yeah, so that's a good question, and maybe maybe that's what I was looking for advice on. I guess where what I thought about for the money is like when I look at the traditional person who you know if you think about the average American his age probably yeah. if they're lucky enough to have a pension and a four hundred one k so they've got this annuity structure from the pension yeah and they've got their four hundred one k to keep like earning interest for them and kind of live off of that and so since he doesn't have like an income stream yeah I guess I was trying to wonder does he actually need to try to supplement that social security through this two hundred and fifty k like yeah. That? Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good question. So, Paul, this is what really comes down to. I mean, uh, in my mind, I mean, sh what should he be doing with this two hundred fifty thousand dollars? He gets uh, Social Security. It sounds like it's being enough to cover his ex his expenses. They're only going to be working for a little bit uh, longer. Hopefully, saving uh, a lot of that uh, that money. But the question that uh, Alex had was, you know, uh, I'm assuming he's not going to be talking about a variable annuity, but a fixed annuity that with, uh, will uh, continue to pay um, uh, while uh, his, the father is alive until he dies. So a true fixed annuity, good old-fashioned type of a fixed annuity that no one really buys anymore <laughs> except a handful yeah. of people. Um, and, or that's, that like, acts like Social Security, except it's not going to have the inflation adjustment that Social Security has. Um, right. but, but or, you know, should they invest that money and, you know, uh, or do some, uh, and some, it sounds like some of that money could potentially be used for out-of-pocket medical as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's, it is a fairly similar question to the, to the last mm -hmm. um, caller in that, mm -hmm. you know, as you, as you mentioned, sort of investment time horizon is, is, is a big input into the decision. And uh, again, you know, expenses, medical-related expenses, or any other expenses that are, uh, you know, foreseen to be uh, in the shorter, shorter yeah. term within two years, I think, have to be set aside um, in, in, in something fairly liquid in principle protected, online savings accounts, something like that. Anything beyond that, especially since this gentleman seems to be able to live fairly frugally, live, you know, his living expenses. If his living expenses are less than his Social Security, yeah. and as you say, his Social Security may increase once the, once the earnings test uh, goes away, um, then I think, you know, you're talking about investment for the intermediate to long term, even though he is 
70, he could easily live for a, you know another couple of decades. In which case, infl inflation, as the as the caller mentioned, it, you know, becomes a concern. We've been spoiled over the last decade or two with very benign inflation, mm -hmm. but if it, even if it goes up to historical three percent levels, you know, that starts to erode purchasing power. And so, I think you do have to start to look at a stock component um, as part of that investment of those of that you know life insurance um, payout. So. I would, again, I would sort of carve out what you need within two years for, you know, medical expenses or any, you know, a new car or anything like that. Um, put that in something principal protected. Beyond that, I think you could start to look at a, at a diversified portfolio, not necessarily um, because it's going to be needed for his retirement, but in effect, he may be looking at it as a as a as an investment for his beneficiaries. Yeah, and, and in particular, Alex, and I agree that, that this really becomes a question of who is he investing for. If he's investing for you guys, um, and, and that's a primary concern for him, then it's really your human capital that kind of matters in, in this calculation. Um, and that does mean you know taking on more risk. If it's really for him, you don't want him you know, uh, relying on using his Social Security payments to do out-of-pocket medical expenses. You don't want him uh, necessarily being in a uh, Medicaid uh, nursing facility. Um, and so you want that money kind of available for that type of stuff. So the, what I usually say is, you know, the, the kind of the best rule beyond Social Security that kind of provides that base layer. We really want some cash. And the average couple going into retirement today is going to be paying about $250,000. Now it's newest number, $260,000 and out-of-pocket medical expenses uh, that it's either Medigap uh, premiums or things that are not covered by um, uh, uh, Medicare. And, and then, you know, you got skilled nursing on, on top of that. And so uh, having a good $250,000 in kind of a cash or a bond uh, like fund um, is, in fact, uh, one possibility. So I think it, uh, beyond Social Security, it's really kind of how I would prioritize this if it were for, for me, would be, you know, beyond Social Security, what I would be doing with that $250,000, I would actually be thinking about getting a TIPS bond fund. So TIPS is Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Um, and they don't pay a high return net of inflation. But the key about it, in fact, you know, it used to be even slightly negative just to get an inflation hedge. Uh, now that's not true anymore. But Vanguard, for example, has a TIPS fund. And so what the, the idea there is that here is a bond fund. doesn't pay a bunch of money, but it's at least keeping pace with inflation. Uh, over time because investing in government securities that the pay, part of the payout is actually based on inflation. If you're really creative, you could actually do what's called a tips ladder. That's too complicated for this amount. And think about that as a safe fund that is mainly useful for um, things like out-of-pocket medical expenses, um, uh, something like that. Is it guaranteed? No, it's because, you know, it could be the case that, you know, when it goes to sell, there could be a principal revaluation of it and it goes down in value. I think it's fairly low, uh, low risk. And uh, the bigger risk, as Paul points out, is inflation. And so I, I actually think the tips fund um, would be kind of my first uh, bet here. And then, it, but if you're not comfortable with that, yes, the fixed annuity, uh, sometimes these have very high uh, costs associated with them, uh, but that's not always the case. Um, uh, you can buy fixed annuities. They have some uh, low overriding uh, 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 costs. 
Um, and I'm trying to remember, oh, tip of my tongue, I'll try to remember that and get by the end of the show. Who is it? She's been on the show before. She has a firm that offers uh, fixed annuities at lower overhead costs. Uh, but, uh, but nonetheless, in the fixed annuity, then would uh, uh, complement Social Security. The reason I don't think that's Im that important, though, um, right now is simply because, uh, quite frankly, he, he can live on his Social Security. This really is about large out-of-pocket expenses associated with Social associated with health care. And so I don't think he needs to complement his Social Security so much. And so I, I personally would be looking at the TIPS fund uh, as the primary uh, mechanism and then maybe having some cash or some you know minor things on the side. But the TIPS fund would be my first uh, uh, approach simply because, as Paul points out, inflation is the bigger risk and a fixed annuity it won't keep up with inflation, whereas Social Security and the TIPS fund will. Is that helpful, uh, Alex? Yeah, no, that's super helpful, and I think I'm like totally with you. This my I don't need the money. I'm luckily in a position for yeah. that, so it's all about what his like long term advantage is going to be from it. I hadn't thought about the tips option with Vanguard, so that's really good. So I'm going to look into that, and then yeah. I think the other piece that I'm getting a, an appreciation from is that small carve out. Maybe it's 25, maybe it's 50, whatever. And from sure. the money that he can use as like a quick liquid piece. So I, that, that's really good. That's good right. Advice. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I always like to have a small car about just for, you know, pipes burst, you know, new house uh, roof and things like that. So thanks so much for calling. And let me go to Richard calling from California. How can I help you, Richard? Hello there. How's it going? Great. So I, um, I, uh, I've, I've been blessed in terms of uh, paying my goals to be paid off and everything is done in good. my whole life. Except my house. <laughs> and uh, right now, that's that's a that's a very pay, big. Should I pay the trucker off? <laughs> yeah, that's a very big butt in California. We're talking about here. It's you know, it's it's kind of like you know, I've had a pretty clean record except for that you know that that one murder. You know, <laughs> so I'm I'm teasing. Richard, so tell me more about your house. Uh, you know, what's how much do you owe in the house? What's the what's the interest I, rate? I, I, well, I owe I owe only like a half a million on it. Whoa! It's worth a million bucks. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I still owe a half a million. Yeah, I know. But it took me a long time to pay off the other stuff. You know, I was just gonna, so, no, I'm just going to say that's good for California. That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. All right. At what interest rate? I'm, I'm I'm paying four uh, percent. Four percent fixed, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fixed. Yep. Fixed for, for like the next thirty years. Okay. So so I'm sitting there now. I have an extra twenty three hundred, maybe sometimes three thousand dollars a month. Uh huh. Just to, uh, to to stash away, or do I make a triple payment to yeah. mortgage? So I've been told, don't pay off your loan. You're you get no tax, nothing. I'm like, okay. So I'm yeah. asking you. It is true. Tell having have, having yeah. some as a risk free return, four percent even. If you get to have some interest deductibility there, it sounds like you've re refinanced if it's originally, if you still have 30 years left. Um, yeah, so there's some value there, but even three and three and a, you know, three quarters, um, you know, that's still a very high on a risk free basis. Let me ask you, what do you have going on for retirement? Do you, are you kind of set there? You said you paid off everything else. How much you, how old are you? How much you've saved up for retirement? I'm a little bit over 50, yeah. and um, I've, I've got, uh, I wish I did it a long time ago. I'm too busy doing other stuff sure. like paying off. But we only have a couple and... minutes left in the segment. How much you got? Okay. 
Um, I got uh, like a, I mean, how much I got extra money? No, save for save for how retirement. Much, uh, like like stashed away. Yeah. I think like right now I got like fifty thousand, sixty thousand. Fifty, sixty thousand. Okay. All right. Yeah. So in terms of, and that is going to be your primary goal. You got your other debts paid off, but it's really your primary goal is saving up for retirement. Do do you have? Yeah. Uh, are you do you have a job where you got a W two things like that? Yeah, I do. Okay. W-2. And what's your household income? Uh, it's um, around 200000 200000 okay. So, uh, Paul, not to call this too, too short, but it does seem to me, uh, I forgot to ask you, uh, Richard, are you making 18000 Well, now you can actually, you're at age 50. Can you, are you doing $24,000, uh, a year? Are you maxing out your, total maxing out your contributions? Yes, I am. So you're actually doing, not just to get the employer match, you're actually doing the 24500 a year uh, contribution. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm maxing out the contribution. Okay. All right. And is your, your spouse work as well? No. Okay. Okay. So, Paul, we only got a minute or, uh, left in this segment. Uh, so, tell me, should he gets his extra cash flow? He's already maxing out his 401k. What do you think he should do with it? Kind of get the three and a half, call it something in the risk free return, or should he open up a taxable brokerage? Um. A little of both would yeah. be my answer. Yeah. Um, I think I would definitely, you know, depending on his tax situation and to keep this, you know, fairly fairly short, yeah. um, maybe the possibility of a tax-deductible spousal IRA, mm-hmm. um, uh, possibility of an HSA contribution if he's got a high-deductible uh, health care yeah. plan. Those are both ways to shelter income from taxation. So I think those are probably high on my list. And then, um, but I like the the idea of the of the you know the automatic four uh, percent guaranteed yeah. return of, of mortgage prepayments as well. So yeah. I think I'd probably be inclined to do a little bit of both, a yeah. little bit of debt repayment, and hopefully a little bit of tax deductible uh, investment for retirement. Fantastic, and I completely agree with you, Richard. To explore some other tax deferred options like a, a spousal IRA, if your firm offers a high deductible health savings plan, you can complement that with uh, uh, with a HSA. Um, and and after that, yeah, I, I agree. Getting a, a risk free return. Paying down your uh, your debt is uh, going to be a great idea. Thanks so much for ca- calling, Paul. Fantastic job for coming on the show. You can find out more about Paul by going to his website, fiveseasonsfinancialplanning.com. Again, fiveseasonsfinancialplanning.com. I'll see you next Tuesday, 5 p.m. Eastern. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.